All right, welcome to the Coach's Box. I'm your host, JP3, here with Coach Natty T, and we got a full slate of things for you uh, this, this evening. We got a little bit of boxing, we got a little bit of soccer, and we got a bunch of NBA drama. I promise the season hasn't even started yet. First preseason game is tonight, and it's already a soap opera. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. So, but we'll start with boxing. Uh, Coach Natty T, we'll go ahead and talk about the Spence and Garcia fight. So we kind of previewed it, and we talked a little bit about what we expected. Uh, but what is your reaction to the fight? My reaction. So I, I thought it was a really good fight. Uh, borderline great fight. I think if you're like a like a boxing purist, mm -hmm. I think you really enjoy the fight. Like I, maybe if you're like a a novice or just a casual fan, because it didn't have like the knockdowns or or none of that. So it may not have been as exciting for like the casual fan. But I thought it was a very very good fight. Um, I know last week because I picked Garcia mainly. Mm -hmm. You know, I picked Garcia. I didn't give any positive points for Garcia. <laughs> I was just basically worried about Spence the whole time. But um, but he looked good. I mean, really, after that first round when he kind of, like, you know, took a few shots and, you know, kind of got a rhythm into it. Mm -hmm. After I saw that and saw that he was Spence, like, yes. I wasn't really surprised by the result. So um, I'm glad to see that he's back because, I mean, I was just really concerned because, like, not even just having a layoff, but just coming off a traumatic accident like that. Like, right. so I think it was uh, Lewis that said it because he made a great point. Like, he was like, you know, you don't even know how he's going to react to getting hit. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you come mm -hmm. from an accident like that. You just because it's different from sparring and training. You know, when right. you're in like a real boxing match and adrenaline's pumping and you get hit, like, you know, how are you going to react after coming from a traumatic accident? But, mm -hmm. but he looked good. So he did. Once that first, you know, first and second round, once he looked good, I was like, oh, well, I'm not surprised by the result. But, but it, was a, it was still a very, very, very good fight nonetheless. Yeah, I, I took away some similar reactions. Uh, that was my thing, what, what Lennox Lewis brought up and the uh, analysis of saying, what is it going to be like uh, when he takes his first, you know, shot mm -hmm. there? And, and, and unfortunately, we really didn't get to see that. At all. He Not didn't take really, a lot no. of heavy shots. Nah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Garcia being more of a of a defensive a counterpuncher, you know, in, in nature, I was hoping and, and I picked Garcia along with you mm -hmm. that I figured Garcia would say, I'm gonna put some pressure on him and make him actually have to fight me and defend himself and let's see how his body reacts. Let's see how his mentality is. You know, especially because in his accident, unfortunately, he had, you know, he landed, hit his head. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, he the like landed like on the pavement. Yeah. On the pavement. So it's like, yeah. well, you haven't been hit since that accident, really, yeah. like all like that. Uh, and then so, you know, for for someone that could be able to take a punch, there's in, in the head a lot of, you know, beatings to the head. There's no guarantee that he's going to be able to do that now. And I was hoping that Garcia's corner would try to leverage that. Uh, but that would be that would mean that Garcia would have to make himself vulnerable uh, to some punches in return from Errol Spence. And so when I saw that through at least the first five rounds, I said, OK, let's see what his corner does now. Garcia's corner does now and say, OK, Spence is looking good offensively, but he hasn't been tested yet. He hasn't been backed against the ropes. You know, he hasn't had to 
fight black back within a, thir- a flurry of punches or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, we didn't get to see what that look that looked like. They pretty much kept the same game plan from start to finish. Uh, so we, you know, I was a little disappointed in that. I would like to see Garcia go outside of his comfort zone, even though it would mean uh, being vulnerable in a sense, but just to kind of put some pressure and press on Spence to see if he's still the same Spence. But to, you know, to your points, Spence fought a great fight. He picked his shots wisely. He protected himself. His movement was good around the ring. And I think he said, well, if you're just going to wait for your opportunity to punch, I'm not going to give you many windows. So I'm just going to pick you apart here and rack up these points through punches uh, to the point where when we get to the end of the fight, I'm definitely winning more rounds than you. I don't right. have to knock you out to prove anything. Uh, because if he goes for the knockout, I think Spencer was, saying, was thinking he makes himself vulnerable mm-hmm. if, he, if he opens himself too much to try to knock Garcia out. So he said, I'm just going to give, take what you give me. And the judges will decide in my favor, most likely. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he, I, I mean, I thought he looked, because he looked really sharp. So I was, I was happy to see that. So hopefully, the next fight, whoever that is, he can kind of continue that momentum. But, but yeah, to your point with Garcia, I think I expected him to probably be a little bit more aggressive. I knew he was going to be somewhat cautious, but I thought he was going to be a little bit more aggressive. But at least from what I saw, it looked like. Like when he saw Spence kind of moving around, he's like, "Oh, he, that, that's Spence right there. That that's the yeah. real Spence." So <laughs> yes. I think he probably was like, "Oh shoot, I'm gonna have to play it a little conservative and try to pick my spots." But nonetheless, I I still thought it was a it was a very very good fight, very solid fight. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I was still happy to see it. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of fights going on, you know. So so on the next show, we may have to uh, do some reactions. Uh, to uh, the Shakur Stevenson fight uh, that's yeah. happening this weekend. That's right. Uh, so there's a couple of big things. There's some UFC stuff going on as well. Uh, so there, there's a lot to be. Uh, I think box. This is a good time for boxing, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really capitalized on uh, the the platforms and people watching it because we were worried for a while that boxing was going to be phased out. Uh, I think you had Mayweather dominating boxing whether you liked it or not how he did it but he was and you're like well where are the other top competitors here where is the competition and i think we have a lot of great competition in all levels of, of boxing and so really happy for the sport yeah no nah, for real I, I i'm excited very uh, excited speaking of floyd mayweather lord have mercy i can't believe this happened <laughs> so floyd mayweather is fighting Logan Paul, right? Yeah. So that's the brother of Jake Paul. I always, when I first saw the preview, I was like, wait, is that him or not? Is that Jake or not? Yeah. It kind of looks like him, but why are they call right, him right, Logan? Right. Then, then yeah. I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, it's his brother. Uh, in my personal opinion, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to, to pay to watch this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still on the fence about it. Uh, a couple of things come to mind with this Number one, this is definitely a for the culture type of fight. Mm-hmm. With Mayweather being a support system for Nate Robinson and seeing what Jake Paul did to Nate Robinson, I think this is his way of trying to get back at that and have something you know to say about, well, I knocked your brother out, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and his brother being a little bit more established, I guess. So it's I I'm not too excited about it. Mayweather 
the type of fighter Mayweather is, him being a defensive fighter, you're going to have to hit him. And, and in order to get a glove on him, you're going to have to put in some work and you're going to have to open yourself up too. And that's where he just picks you apart. I don't know if, if Logan's, you know, disciplined enough. There's not a lot of tape out there on him, but I don't know if he's disciplined enough to actually fight a Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I figured this would be a, uh, though it's an exhibition, this would be a one-sided type fight. And then sec- and lastly, I, I think about all the people that were in their prime of boxing that wanted a piece of Floyd Mayweather and they never got to work it out. And all of a sudden now Logan Paul gets to fight Mayweather. And so this kind of disturbs me from a boxing fan perspective. <laughs> I, I just think Floyd owes somebody some money in Vegas. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think he owes somebody some money. And he's like, all right, let me fight this cat, capitalize on, on the little momentum from the last fight with, with his brother and Nate Robinson, and mm-hmm. I'm going to just roll with that. that that's my opinion. Because I, I, I guess we kind of have to watch it somewhat just because we, you know, we got the podcast and we got to react to it. I guess so. We'll chalk it's it like, to the, to the yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a business expense. Yeah, you know, but it's like, Floyd, man. Are you serious? I, again, I, I think he owes somebody some money. And he just like, all right. Because I think, because from what I saw, I think you can buy it now for like, I think like 25 bucks. And then as okay. the time gets closer, it goes up to, I think like 60 bucks or 65 bucks, I think. Mm. Um, something like that. But I get on that 25. I watch it for 25 <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I was like, Floyd, you... You tripping, dog. Again, I think you owe somebody money. That's, that's, that's the only explanation. That's the only logical explanation I can come up with. Yeah, nothing else really makes sense uh, at, yeah. at all. I, I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> so I guess we'll, we'll probably find out one way or the other. Because as, usually as things get closer. Because the one thing I do give Floyd credit for, I mean, in terms of trying to build hype around the fight. Because mm-hmm. even with him and Connor, because, like, I remember – you know, some of the borderline, like, racial stuff that, like, Connor was saying or even Floyd was saying. Yes, yes. Because I, I didn't know, like, because even when they were traveling, um, like, when they went overseas and when they went to London and tried to promote the fight, they were on the plane together. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe, like, Floyd was telling Connor, like, oh, yeah, go ahead and say that so we can try to, like, create the racial buzz. Yes. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. So... Who knows? Maybe he can turn it into something. Maybe you know, turn it into something. But yeah, he 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 owes a debt to somebody in Vegas, man. Something had to be going on. (laughs) There's something they're not telling us. Something. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's something. Yeah, that's all I think about that. But we'll see as the time gets closer. I guess. Yes. Yes. And like I mentioned before, uh, in fact, this weekend Shakur Stevenson fights Toka Kong Clary. Then we have uh, Anthony Joshua. fighting Kubrat Pulev, I, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uh, so there's a lot of fights there, a lot of good cards coming up and some rising stars in the preliminaries as well. So, you know, you'll- He's a fight fury, but whatever. Yeah. I, <laughs> don't get me started on that, cause I, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm like, whatever. But I guess, well, I guess uh, Wilder has his rematch clause, so I guess he has to fight him. Yes. Before, so. But yes. that some they, the winner of that needs to fight Joshua. That's all I'm saying. Yes, I mean, agree, agree. Toss that up because I'm like I'm sick and tired of this. Well, I don't want to fight him right now. Like, no, fight him. This is it. 
Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. So, yeah, plenty of boxing action just this weekend. Uh, ESPN is doing uh, a lot of the fights. ESPN Plus is doing the preliminaries, and uh, you'll be able to watch it uh, for free, the Shakur Stevenson fight on ESPN at 10 p.m. tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah, free boxing out. Sign me up. Sign me up for that. Yep, yep. Uh, So, yeah, well, we're going to move into our soccer segment. And so, you know, soccer is one of those things that I think is not respected as much within the United States uh, and is by far one of the world's most popular sports. Soccer has been a stage that countries who were beefing with each other were able to put their differences aside to play soccer. And so that shows how big the game is and that people invest a lot of their patriotism into that sport that is connected with that sport. Uh, But a very highly skilled uh, type of sport that Coach Natty T has years and years of experience playing. Uh, and so a Division I soccer athlete, uh, Coach Natty T is our expert soccer analyst here and is going to break down. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. But he's going to, you know, break down his five takeaways from the week of soccer. Yes, sir. So uh, as Jay mentioned, I'm a huge soccer fan. That's kind of my, my first love. So, you know, I played since I was four all the way up to – to college at the D1 level. I played a little semi-pro in Florida, so I never got to make it to the top, top level, but, you know, it is, it is my sport. So this week, I just thought it was, it was a big week in the world of football, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go quickly, but uh, this week was Champions League. So for those who don't know, uh, Champions League is um, – the biggest club competition in the world, mm-hmm. um, essentially East Continent. Well, not each continent because Antarctica doesn't have any people there besides scientists, but <laughs> <laughs> like North, North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and then they kind of group Australia and Asia into one competition. Mm-hmm. But all these countries have different leagues. And then the top, usually like the top three to four teams that finish in each league they play in what's called Champions League, and then they have their own separate games, own separate, like, group games. Then there's a knockout stage, and then there's a final and all of that. So Europe, obviously, because of locale, is the biggest competition um, in the world in, in the world of football. So this week was a huge matchup between uh, Juventus, which is, which is an Italian club, and Barcelona, which is a Spanish club. And uh, Barcelona has Lionel Messi, obviously one of the greatest players of all time and in this era. And then Juventus has Cristiano Ronaldo, who's honestly, and for those just to bring it from a context standpoint, I mean, it's basically like having Michael Jordan and LeBron James in the same era competing against each other. Like that's how big it is. That's good stuff. right there. Yeah. I mean that just to kind of bring it to like, this, the heightened sensibility of it. Yeah. So they played this week. So Ronaldo used to play in Spain um, for Real Madrid. So they used to go at each other all the time, but he left to go to uh, Juventus a few years ago. So this was the first time in, I think it was two or three years that they have actually played against each other. Um, Juventus won the game. But my biggest takeaway was Messi's definitely leaving Barcelona at the end of the season. I'm not going to get into all the drama of Barcelona, mm-hmm. But he's definitely leaving. 
because when you watch the game, I felt bad for Messi because Ronaldo actually has a legitimate squad. He scored twice in the game. Um, Messi couldn't really do too much. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway because there's just this big debate on is he leaving, kind of reminiscent of LeBron and Cleveland the first time. Well, honestly, the way I see it, it's kind of more similar to like towards the end of the last dance with Michael Jordan. Yes. So how they won after the three and then he mm. could have just went to a different team, but then it was kind of like this back and forth with upstairs. It's kind of more like that because he's uh. more – I mean, he's definitely towards the end of his prime, mm-hmm. but he still has, I would say, at least another three, four good years left. Okay. So I would compare it kind of to that, like coming towards the end. Mm. And, like, he could either stay there or go to a different club, you know, anywhere around the world. Y'all see my PSG jersey, so I'm hoping he comes to PSG. But yeah, you know, <laughs> but that was my biggest takeaway from that game. Um, so number two, and then speaking of PSG, obviously last week I had my PSG jersey on. I have another PSG jersey this week. <laughs> um, that's my squad. But this was more kind of more. Well, the incident happened on field, but um, essentially this was a big moment because they were playing Istanbul um, in, the, in the Champions League as well. And what happened, about 10 minutes into the game, uh, there was a tackle on the field. You know, one of the Istanbul um, coaches, he's actually a former professional player himself, um, and he's uh, from Senegal. He's yelling at the referee, like saying, hey, this is a bad foul. Him and the referee is kind of going back and forth. Um, And then the referee gives him a red card and say, go off. Mm. But, however, he says, un negro which is meaning, oh, like, the black one. A black, yeah. Right. So, obviously, that caused a whole stir because, you know, the coach was like, hey, why, why, why'd you say Negro? Why'd you say Negro? Mm-hmm. So, basically, the game stops. Both teams, the bench is clear. They both come to the middle. And what ends up happening is, once everybody kind of figures out what happens, both teams, so Istanbul walks off the field and PSG walks off the field. This is a middle, in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was they thought they were going to come back out, but they said, no, we're not coming back out. As long as that guy's ref, we're not coming out. So literally what wow. they did was they scratched the game, rescheduled it for the next day, flew in a new crew the same day, and restarted the game the next day. Wow. Which was amazing. So that it was, is amazing. It was kind of somewhat of like a watershed moment in a way because it was just – that's just unprecedented. And even earlier that week um, – because in England, there's the Premier League, which is the top league, and then there's the Championship Division. Um, so every match in England, what they've been doing is right before the whistle, all the players take a knee just to kind of support the Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were in a, a city, a Millwall. Um, it's just in the London area, I believe. But when they did that, the Millwall fans kind of booed. Uh-oh which was ridiculous, but mm-hmm. what ended up happening, Queens Park Rangers, they were playing Millwall. One of the Queens Park Rangers players scored, and they literally ran to the section of where those fans booed, took a knee and put the black fist up. Ooh. <laughs> 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 and then ran back. Man. That was, that was two, like, amazing moments to see um, just in the time that we're in now for athletes mm-hmm. to kind of take that step. That was, that was pretty amazing. So that was my second takeaway. And quickly, before you go to number three, I was thinking that's not the first time this, the sport has seen this type of, of, of uh, behavior. 
Oh, absolutely not. I, I can't remember the two teams. Maybe you do, but there are teams where it happened to the same team two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And the soccer coach, they went in during break and was like, nah, if they're going to talk to our player like that, I think it was a referee to a player at this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to go back out there. And they just decided not to play. Yeah. 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 They don't play in Europe. Like, cause in Italy, um, for instance, uh, this was years back, but you know, if they act too crazy, like they'll suspend the fans from the game and they'll just play in that empty stadium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was just good to see because obviously you know there's still going to be people just ignorant people yes um, out there but i think the the reaction and the swiftness of the reaction was was tremendous so um a big shout out to both psg and istanbul and even the players as well because istanbul walked off psg didn't have to do it but they just said you know what no nah, like, we're walking off because that's the opposing team mm-hmm. i mean this is the last week of the group stage it's a very important game Mm-hmm. And they both said, no, we're just walking off. Wow. Uh, so it was, it was really great to see. That's powerful. Uh, yeah, yeah. So move on to number three. Speaking of the Champions League, Manchester United. <laughs> Manchester United. Lord have mercy. So they're, owned, they're actually owned by the Glazier family, which owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's time for them to fire Ed Woodward and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So, Ali Gunnar is the coach. He's a Manchester United legend within his own right, but he, he needs to go. Mm. Manchester United. So, he was coaching in Norway, I believe, before he got this job. But Manchester United, for those who don't know, I mean, that's like the Yankees, the Lakers. Like, that's a big club. So that comes with a different level of responsibility. So for him to just come from a small club and then to coach this team, you can see the inconsistencies with how they play. Like one week or even a few weeks in a row, they'll play really good. And then they'll just have a total debacle like they've had these past two weeks. So it's time for them to get rid of them. And then Ed Woodward, who's the club director, he needs to go because he's trash. I don't know how you spend all this money and – None of the players are developing, and that's partially on the coach as well, but yes. he needs to go. So mm-hmm. that's my takeaway on that one. That usually sends a big um, firestorm on the internet. So I don't know. We'll probably get some hits from that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but uh, so number four, the knockout stage. So this is the Champions League. Knockout mm-hmm. stage, I was saying before, they finished up the group stage. So now it's the final 16. They do the actual draw on Monday. So this is what's interesting about Champions League as well. So after the end of each round, they you don't know who you're going to play. There's not like a seeding thing. Okay. It's just literally – now, there, if you finish like on the top of your group, you do get some like peripheral treatment in terms of like who you may play. So you may not play like some of like the heavy hitters. But mm. what ends up happening is they do a draw at the end of each round. So literally you may know like – have an idea of like the four or five teams you may play, mm. but they just do a random draw and they're like, all right, you play you, you play you, you play you. So we'll see what that, uh, what the actual draw is on Monday. But right now, as much as I love PSG, the team right now that looks fantastic is Bayern Munich. They're the defending champions. They're a German club. They just mm. look unstoppable. They were beating teams with their third squad. Oh, in my, Champions gosh. oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, they're they're unbelievable so right now in terms of uh the knockout stage right now i think they're the favorite i'm hoping psg can kind of get their act together 
Um, Liverpool looked pretty strong because they've had some COVID issues and injury issues. And that's a whole separate topic by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Manchester City looked pretty good as well. Um, but right now, I think my takeaway from that, Bayern Munich still looks like they're the heavy favorite. So going to number five, uh, MLS Cup is tomorrow. Yes. Um, so excited. So, yeah. So the Columbus crew and yeah, yeah. the Seattle Sounders are playing in that game tomorrow. It's actually being hosted by the Columbus crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I have to say a favorite, I think it's Columbus crew just because they do, they're playing really well and they play fantastic at home. They're very tough to beat. Um, but if I have to choose, I have to go with Seattle just because they are the defending champs. Mm-hmm. And they always seem to find a way to win. They're one of those like annoying teams because they're not very pretty in how they play, but they just find a way to win. So I actually think it's going to be like a like a two to one type of scenario. I think they'll have a late goal. That um, sounds like the San Antonio Spurs to me. Honestly, in, in a way, but even <laughs> even less than that because they they I mean their system isn't really like that pretty to watch. It's just. Yeah always figure out a way because even in the Western Conference finals they they just won mm-hmm. down 2-0 to Minnesota United and they just came back and won just boom 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 three goals and they weren't playing well the whole game so I think Columbus crew I mean if they win I mean I, I think they're the favorites and they're at home but if I have to pick one I, I'm gonna go with Seattle just because they're just they just always seem to find a way to win so that's that's kind of my, my side yeah. takeaways for this week. And so that, this is a big deal. That last one in particular is a big deal for, for a lot of us. For those who don't know, everyone who has participated in the show, all the major coaches that are on this platform for the Coaches Box, either currently live in Columbus or yeah. are from Columbus, yeah. Ohio. <laughs> so to see, to see our soccer team uh, get to this stage again, because it's been a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, we have been champions before, but I know I'm wearing a, a Seattle Supersonics jersey, but that's this strictly basketball. This has nothing to do with soccer. Nothing to do with soccer. I I am so excited to see the Columbus crew have a chance to win the championship here, and and I really hope that they that they they stay disciplined and take it home. I know they have a key player uh, that may not be able to play tomorrow. Yeah. Uh. So, but. The city is rooting for you. And so if anyone listen that's uh, from the Columbus crew or Columbus crew fan, the coach's box is supporting the Columbus crew victory. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, it's a great story to me because they almost, I mean, they almost moved and, you know, yes. so, you know, for them to be in the finals, that's like, that's pretty, that's pretty dope. This, this city, it was very, was very torn up about that too, mm-hmm. which, you know, you think about some of the major teams within America, you would think sports in America, you would think of a football, a basketball, uh, maybe a baseball, perhaps. Uh, but, you know, we have the Columbus Blue Jackets and we have the Columbus crew. And we're like, we're proud of our two professional teams and we're going to support them mm-hmm. uh, through, the, through the good, the bad, the ugly. And, and so uh, speaking of Seattle Supersonics, it was very similar to when they were threatened to move yeah, the franchise yeah, to, uh, good, to Oklahoma yeah. City. Yeah. And how fans, you know, they kind of protested in a certain sense that we, we don't want our team to move. We, you all better figure out a way to keep them in here in Columbus. Yeah. Uh, and so we were so fortunate that they were able uh, to do so and have a new stadium on the horizon that, you know, that looks pretty good from the picks that I saw. And so I mm-hmm. look forward to visiting that soon. Uh, but, yeah, so go crew. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, 
I'll go quickly, but um, cause even to your point, just in soccer in America, I think, I mean, it's, it's really having a good, it's found its niche, I think in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. And I think you're starting to see the quality kind of coming through because kind of going back to the Messi Ronaldo game, Weston McKinney, who's an American player, African American, American player who plays for Juventus. Mm-hmm. I mean, he started in the game and actually scored a fantastic goal in the game as well. So shout out to him. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think, I think America, at least from, from a world footballing view, is starting to gain some more respect because, you know, you have some pretty high quality players like Christian Pulisic. He plays for Chelsea right now. Um, and then Serginho Des, he plays for Barcelona. He played in that game as well. So um, I think the future is bright. I think they have to keep the momentum going. But, you know, again, to your point, I think Columbus kind of showing the support and love to, yeah. to just soccer in general. I think it's a big step towards the legitimacy of soccer in America. So it I is. think it's great. And it's great and, for me to see. I feel like I was born a little too early, man. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was born like, like, give me like five years like later, if I was five years younger. Yes. 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 But it's all good. It is beautiful to see soccer at the state. People really appreciate the sport. Yeah. And at a pivotal time where, yeah, like if Columbus didn't do well, what would that mean for the future of the franchise that maybe the yeah. next opportunity that they would have gotten to leave, maybe they leave then in a few years yeah. or, or so. Yeah. Uh, especially if they weren't seeing dividends from the investment that they've already made into the team. Yeah. Uh, and so the players I was talking about, uh, Columbus crew experienced two uh, positive uh, COVID-19 tests, yeah, which is going to affect COVID. tomorrow. So COVID, it, it, you know, is, is weaving its way through all the sports here. Yeah. Uh, so Darlington, Nagby, and Pedro Santos. Yeah, those are, are, the, Nagby, is, Nagby is a big loss because he's, he's a central midfielder. So he kind of, in soccer, like your central midfielder is kind of your, your quarterback in a way because he kind of controls the, the, the field. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's, a big, that's, a, that's a big loss there. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, so best wishes to the crew, and we'll 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 talk we'll about it in the next show, especially yeah. if they win. Yeah, if they- <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right, well, we're going to get into the meat of the show now, and yeah, of course, speaking that's of COVID, speaking <laughs> of COVID, so yeah. tonight's preseason NBA starts. It seems like it just ended because it, it kind of did, you know. Yeah. So players getting, you know, maybe a, a two months depending on when they were knocked out of the the postseason. Uh, a break here. So now we have COVID-19 rearing its head. We're getting positive tests kind of already with, with, with players. And so now they're not in a bubble. They're not in a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so coach Natty T, how do you feel COVID would have an impact on this NBA season? Um, I think it's gonna have a tremendous impact and it kind of bridged the gap with, uh, with, with the soccer segment. So, um, what I was alluding to with Liverpool, um, they've had a lot of COVID-related issues to where their the roster's been kind of depleted and they had to kind of dig into their roster a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a lot of the clubs that you've seen in Europe as well, kind of the big heavy hitters, they've had a slow start because of COVID because the other season ended. Obviously, it was extended a little bit because of COVID. And then the new season started, so there wasn't as much in an off-season. So I think I, I kind of expect to see some of the same characteristics happen in the NBA as well. I think yes. you may see a little bit of a slower start, um, mm-hmm. especially with the teams that were, that you know played the longest in the bubble. So you know Lakers, Heat, um, 
yeah. you know, Nuggets. I, you know, I think those teams may start off a little bit slower. Um, but I think as time goes on, you'll probably see them kind of gain more control. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see. And then I saw a report as well where it looks like the NBA, they're going to be fining each team 100K for resting, you know, yes. starters in marquee games. So yes. um, I, it's going to be very interesting. So because each, and especially here in America, I mean, each state's different, you know. I mean, you, that's right. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the South, like, there is still COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, COVID doesn't exist there. COVID doesn't exist there, right? You know, te- certain place, Texas, you know. So with them traveling, you know, the teams traveling and all that, you know, can they really stay disciplined? And, you know, I, you're talking about young young men here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, young millionaires here. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think you're going to see some what of what happened in the NFL as well. Yes. I think you're going to see some outbreaks happen. There's going to be some rescheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because they're condensing it to a 72-game season. So I, I, I think you're going to see a lot of the same characteristics that we've seen in, in, the, NBA, in, in the NBA, but uh, in the NFL, I should say. And even um, with Major League Baseball as well. I think there's, yes. they had some issues early mm-hmm. on as well. So I think, I think you're going to see that um, come, come to light as well. Yeah, I was, I was hoping that they would condense the season a little bit more. Yeah, because um, like – Yeah, because I'm making – 10 games? Too. Yeah, 10 games. And they're going to play, like, a lot of back-to-backs. And, I mean, that's yes. a lot of games. Just yes. Kind of like – I thought it was going to be closer to the to the 50-something range yeah. of games. Yeah. 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 Or uh, even – I think I was actually expecting, what was it, 62? Because you remember when um, – what was that, that year, the lockout year, when they started Christmas? Yes. Yes. 62, I thought 62 it was games. The same thing there, yeah. Yeah. I thought they were going to kind of do the same thing. But they said 72. It's like – and that shows the the business part has is is reared its head in that in that respect. Because in a lockout year, you're not the the year prior to that was not a lockout year. You didn't right. lose out any money. So, but now the NBA is having to recruit. You know, and and on a we may see the numbers personally like oh they got plenty of money, but in yeah. in their perspective, they had to invest a lot to get that bubble going. You think of all the the expenses that without fans in the stands, you're not getting that reimbursement of your nope. investment. It's just pure. We're putting on entertainment people because you're still paying salaries of everyone from the team to the workers for the team to people within the stadium who are still have to keep the stadiums operating uh, there in Orlando. Like some, you know, checks got cut still for there, yeah. and they didn't see anything in return really outside of the. Uh, the TV contracts and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and, and the merchandise, yeah. but you know, you look at, I think they're, I think Adam Silver is like, Hey, we're going to have to recoup some funds so we can't cut too many games, but we'll try to yeah. make it as reasonable as we can. Yeah. I just hope it works out for them because like, you know, like I said on the last show, players who were in the bubble are still going to have to behave in a different manner. Yeah. Now, because uh, it's easy to take the bubble for granted because you knew everyone and there was COVID free. Mm-hmm. So you can socialize, be close to each other. You cannot have masks on and no one will be, you know, you know, no red flags at all. There yeah. will be no red flag at all. Now you're going to have to do that. Uh, you're going to have to be very disciplined uh, to your point. And one of the other things I, I thought about too is I wonder if it gets 
too bad will something happen with the Toronto Raptors? Uh, and so if I remember correctly with the Toronto Blue Jays, they were saying to the MLB, hey, we're going to restrict the travel of our team because the United States needs to get it together with their COVID numbers. So we're going to be doing our home games, but we don't want our team traveling all the way through, you know, the United well, I think, States. I think they're actually – Toronto, they're going to be playing in Orlando, I believe. Orlando, okay. Or in, or in Tampa, in Tampa, actually. Because they're going to be playing um, where the, the Lightning plays. Gotcha. They're that already, makes sense. Yeah, they actually gotcha. moved them to Tampa, yeah. So, like, yeah. Cause no, because to your point, because Canada, like, they, they've still – they've shut the border down. Mm-hmm. not letting any Americans through there. So I think that was the only way they could actually participate in the, in the season because yeah. they had to move. They had to just completely move their operations to Tampa. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and I think because um, Draymond and, uh, and Wiseman, they're drafted because they, yes. they just caught COVID. So, yes. I mean, you're already seeing it. Already. <laughs> it's already. Yeah, already so. going on. And so, yeah, I, and I wonder how that's going to affect the Raptors franchise just not being yeah it's going to be different yeah. where your operations usually are uh, yeah. so it, it's going to be interesting but you know we'll see what happens just hopefully everybody just Stay be safe. as responsible as possible and, and be safe and just know that there's a bigger goal at hand here you can mm-hmm. still do your job and still have fun you just may have to do it in a different way right now you know yeah, because yeah. it's not going to go away if you continue to be part of the problem and so I think some of right. the players have to really some self-reflection here we'll talk about uh, a few players going off the radar here for for a little bit oh, yeah. uh, before that i couldn't help myself <laughs> when i saw this article from nbc sports uh, mm-hmm. so scotty pippen i uh, was uh, i was approaching to ask some questions about the last dance documentary the thing that kept me sane through quarantine was the last dance documentary yep. Yeah, those Zoom watch parties that we we did uh, and everything was, you know, that is that was very therapeutic in a way. You know, <laughs> we felt like all sports had been taken away from us because it yeah. did for a while. Uh, so Scottie Pippen was was asked uh, about his thoughts of, of the Last Dance, and, and so uh, Andrew Anthony of the Guardian asked him how accurate was the Last Dance documentary and and showing what went on in your opinion. Uh, and I'm quoting Scotty here. He says, I don't think it was that accurate in terms of really defining what was accomplished in one of the greatest eras of basketball, but also by two of the greatest players. And one can even put that aside and say the greatest team of all time. I didn't think those things stood out in the documentary. I thought it was more about Michael trying to uplift himself and be glorified. Uh, and so the series was produced by Jordan's uh, Jump 23 company. So there is a little bias, you know, intertwined into to the production of it. Uh, but I, he said, he goes on to say, I thought, I think it was also backfired to some degree and that people got a chance to see what kind of personality uh, Michael had. And, and lastly, he was asked, have you spoken to him about your opinion of the series? And he said, yeah, I told him I wasn't too pleased with it. He accepted it. He said, hey, you're right. And that was pretty much it. Uh, and, and so there's there's a lot of takeaways here. So Coach Natty T, you know, looking at the quotes, looking at the documentary, as someone who's watched every episode. Uh, twice. Twice. <laughs> you know, so what do you think about Scotty's comments? What, what do you read into that? Well, I, for, with Scotty, the thing that annoys me about Scotty is a lot of times he doesn't add anything new to the conversation. Right. So 
him saying, for instance, uh, you know, the last dance was just a, was about uplifting Michael. I'm like, yeah. Have you Damn. met Michael Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's what it was about. Like, he yeah. approved them moving forward with the footage and doing the actual documentary the day of the parade in Cleveland with LeBron James. So yes, it was about uplifting Michael Jordan. Like there's no doubt about that. So like, duh, Scotty, like what were you expecting? Um, But I I mean, overall, and even watching the the documentary, I mean, I think he he feels underappreciated. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. And there's some jealousy there. So I think probably what I'm assuming what bothers him the most is when they cover the the whole him sitting out in, uh, mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference semis, mm-hmm. Tony Kukoc hits the shot. I think mm-hmm. I think he probably feels salty about that because I think that put a bad. It was a bad look. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. But um, if, but if I'm Scotty, I'm like Michael said at the beginning, like, look, there's no Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen. Yeah. He's, you know what I mean? Like, and I think he sh- he showed what his importance was even during that last the last dance season where he was kind of on, you know, the little contract dispute. He said, "Oh, I'm going to have surgery. I'm going to sit out." Da da da. And Michael was kind of like, "You're leaving out, leaving me out here with nobody." Yeah. So, I think he. To me, it showed his his importance to the dynasty and to the Bulls' legacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I just think he's still just feeling a, a little bit salty about it, which I kind of get, but at the same time, it's like, dude, Scotty, like, you have respect. Like, everybody knows you're a great player. Yes. I'm not sure exactly, like, what he's looking for in terms of validation. You know what I mean? So, when I hear those quotes, that's what I hear. Yeah, I get that a lot from and Scotty. Unfortunately, when we usually hear about Scotty Pippen in the media now, mm-hmm. it's about some uh, left field take that he had where yeah. he's and sometimes he's flip flopping between yeah. year to year about you know best player and and then he has to like go back around and clarify himself like no I think Jordan is the best but I would rather play with LeBron. And it's like, right. but that's not what you said the first time we were asked that question. Right, right. Uh, it's, and so he just kind of, you know, flip-flops in a lot of his, of his perspectives on things. And it's like, I know people have the right to change their mind, but don't act like you didn't just say something different before. I think mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the one thing. It's like, yeah, you know, I did think about it and I did say that, but after further thought and further evidence, mm-hmm. I'm thinking this now. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That type of, of presenting it. But I, yeah, I, Jordan gave, he knew it was going to be a glorification of Jordan. Like, anyway, I think everyone <laughs> knew that going into it because he's like, yeah. oh, y'all out here happy, you know, talking about LeBron. Right. LeBron's good, but y'all weren't here when I was doing this. You know, y'all right. young people don't know. So I'm going to make right. sure when you have no other choice but to watch this because there's no other sports or right. everything like that, we're going, we're going to make sure that you know about this. You know, and, and of course, he couldn't predict that COVID would come, but it's like, hey, they actually changed the release of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it was supposed to be released later, I believe. So now he's like, be, the- it was supposed to be after the finals in June, but yeah. 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 He's like, well, this is the perfect time, you know, to do it, you know, so people can focus on this. But like you said, Pippen did delay his surgery in 97. Yeah, these he things did, did refu- happen. <laughs> he did refuse to go into the game 
right. uh, against the Knicks in 94 with 1.8 right. seconds left. You couldn't go back for 1.8 seconds? Apparently You, you did demand a trade multiple times. Yeah. Where's the lie? There's right. no lie in that. Right. And you were one of pretty much three players that got any type of bio within the last dance. It was a Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman were essentially it for, for you got most of their background. You know, they did a little Steve Kerr here. And there. Yeah, you know, Steve Kerr got 20 minutes. He got his 20 minutes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but that was it. Pippen got the majority of an episode. You know, Rodman got the majority of an episode. So I, I look at it as what did you really expect this to be? And you're, you're talking about a guy whose Hall of Fame speech was basically trash talking everybody that he's played against. And, within his Hall of Fame speech. That's just the type of competitor that he is. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think Scotty feels underappreciated and Mike feels underappreciated. So Mike's like, we're going to do this documentary mm-hmm. and I'm going to give props where props are due. Uh, but I, you know, Scotty, you know, and my mom used to think about this all the time that he, she felt that Scotty didn't get the respect while they were actually playing. And, and I said, I can see that. I can see right. it was Jordan, this Jordan, that everything, Jordan, 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 Jordan. And I, so there's some truth to that. And so I understand why he may um, want some more respect. But I, I think when people talk about him now, they're like, hey, Jordan never won without Scotty. And Scotty was for sure one of the you know, best players in the league at, at, at that time. And when Michael retired the first time, Scotty Pippen led them on a good playoff run. You know, it, so I, I think that narrative has changed, but I think he's stuck in the past a little still, bit. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's exactly – yeah, he's still stuck in that past. Because, again, like, when he makes comments like this, like, that's what I hear. Because even to your point, like, with him being, like, so wishy-washy on his opinions, like – because even if you wanted to say, like, kind of going back to when he said, oh, LeBron's the best player, you know, I play with. But or that he thinks he's the best player of all time. Like, it's okay if, you, if it was flipped. Like, if you said Michael's the best and then you changed it to LeBron, mm-hmm. that makes sense because yes. LeBron's still playing. He's still adding to his resume. Right. But you can't say you said LeBron first and then you flipped it back to Jordan. Back to Jordan. Like, that makes no sense. So what did Jordan do between now and yeah. then? <laughs> yes, right. He can't add to his resume. His, his, it's done. Did he call so, you and say, I'm going to take all six of them rings <laughs> off your hands if you don't say I'm the best player? Did that happen? Like, right. So that's what I'm saying. With, with Scotty, I, I just feel like he's, you know, sometimes he's just a little all over the place, all over the place, I should say, with, with his thought process. But, you know, poor Scotty. Poor Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and some of the other teammates that um, I think they, they chose to be anonymous, but they didn't, they didn't, like some parts of the document, the document. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a documentary. I mean, there's there's things you're not gonna like, and obviously, we can see MJ's leadership style. I mean, listen, yes. not, not everybody's gonna respond to that, but that's why there's only one Michael Jordan, and it's not gonna that's work right. for everybody else, right? So that's right. You know, I, I just I just kind of accepted it as it is what it is, and I mean, that's that's why he's Michael Jordan. There's only one Michael Jordan. So yes, yes. and yeah. I. And I think this for Jordan talking about reminding people of the player he was, in a sense, this opportunity was therapeutic for him. Uh, there are very few times that you remember seeing Jordan cry. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I could kind of count on my hand when that, how many times I've seen Jordan cry throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, when his father passed away and he won the championship against Seattle, 
uh, and grabs the ball, goes to midcourt, and just lays on the, you know, he's in locker room laying on the floor with the ball. And he just kind of wanted his time and he was crying there. His first championship with his father there, he cried there as well. Um, his Hall of Fame speech, of course, that's the, the famous meme, the infamous meme that came yep. out of him crying there. But this one was a little different. Mm-hmm. This last time that we've seen Jordan show some emotion, shed some tears. He felt like he had to defend his leadership style because he felt he was being villainized for being tough on people. Right. And, 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 the, and the late great Kobe Bryant mirrored that in his leadership style. Mm-hmm. Right. But ultimately, he felt that if this is what he needed to do to get people there and that he wasn't perfect, but he was doing the best he knew how to do to get people bought in to the system and, and ready to go every game. Uh, and so I, that's one of the first times I've seen Jordan really defensive in that type of manner and shed some tears with that. And I will also go on to say, I think there was a piece in that where as philanthropic as he's been in his career, one of the things that LeBron James, and rightfully so, has been glorified for is his contributions off the court, uh, which have been absolutely tremendous from the school uh, to Black Lives Matter movement to his involvement in politics, all those things, uh, Jordan got criticized for. And I don't know him personally, but I think there is a, 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 a inty-bency little bit, at least, of regret that he didn't do those things and he had the power to do so. Now, it is a little bit more of a player's league now than it was at that time. But being Michael Jordan, if you were to endorse a candidate, you're not going to kick off, get kicked off the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. Nike's not going to let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things. I think he said, you know, I wasted some opportunities. And he talks about the Harvey Gantt campaign where he said, hey, I didn't publicly endorse him, but I did send him a check. And people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was kind of uh, reluctant to go out there and do that. And now look what he's doing now, the role that Jordan's playing now as he's playing a, you know, a conduit between the players and the owners now when it comes to social justice and inclusive initiatives. Yeah. You know, he's, he's putting money into this. You know, he's connecting with Bubba Wallace and Denny Hamlin for, uh, for you know, Team Jordan there. So mm-hmm. I, I think there was some regret in his career on that, and he's trying to make up for it now. No, absolutely. I mean, I think um, for me, uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with him not engaging himself with social justice matters back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, I think it was a different time. And then two, I think you can do more damage if you're not knowledgeable on what you're mm-hmm. actually you know, advising for. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, I dedicated 100% of my time to basketball. That's what I did. Yes. Um, it would be one thing if he portrayed himself as, dare I say, you know, I'm a Christian athlete and this, that, and the third, and then you're not, you know, doing the things off the court. He never portrayed himself as that. He just said, hey, um, you know, I got my like to be like Mike commercials. I'm a basketball player. You know, I try to be professional as, as, as I possibly can. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I don't necessarily view him in a different light uh, per se. But I do think uh, from what you said, there's some – he's probably – even his leadership style, he's probably thinking, 
you know, did I really have to go there? Like, you know, did I really have to go that hard at people? Maybe we could have still won and I have to do that. But listen, at the time that that's what he decided to do. That's what he knew how to do. And that's what he went with. Mm -hmm. And, um, and a guy like LeBron James, you can argue and even Magic Johnson as well. I mean, he never really got into, you know, at that time, the 80s, That's 90s. True. He never really got into that either. Mm-hmm. He was just, you know, big smile and, you know, I'm Magic, Showtime, mm-hmm. Harry Bird. I mean, th- those guys didn't really get into stuff like that. Um, so I think you can actually give credit to them as far as the evolution of the athlete now. Because, you know, guys like LeBron James and, 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 and plenty of other athletes now, you know, growing up, looking at them and saying, man, I want to be like that. And then I'm going to take it a step further. Step further. Yeah. You know, so I think that's part of the progression as part of the evolution of, of the athlete. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't necessarily have a problem. I know there's a lot of people that called out Michael back in the day, for yeah. not doing more, but mm-hmm. if your heart's not truly in it, I don't necessarily think it's good for you to be involved. Cause I, yeah. don't I, fake I, it. Don't fake it because yeah. I, I think it's it can be more detrimental to the cause if you're not. That's so right. I would rather him just to be like, look, because I because even with the that North Carolina Senate race, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I he's like, hey, I don't know the guy, so I can't give him an endorsement or money, mm-hmm. and I don't know the guy. Like, I actually applaud that, you know. Yeah. So. Because again, if you're not, if you don't know and you're not in it, because again, when you're talking about politics and social justice issues, I mean, these are very serious things. Yes. And I'm not saying like shut up and dribble, but what I am saying is if you're going to get yourself involved, like have some knowledge, like do some yes. research on it, like yes. have some sort of resources that you can reach out to, some experts that you can reach out to mm-hmm. that can give you some insight on that. Don't just take it upon yourself like well i'm an athlete i have a platform yes you do yes but you have a platform there so those people that don't have that platform can advise you on how to move forward forward so you know just because you're an athlete just because you're a rapper just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean that you speak for all black people that's right all people that's right and that's the pressure that's put on them right that's the pressure that's put on them right right yeah not to get not to get too off subject but you know i Feel like a lot of these guys feel the pressure to be like oh well, i'm the spokesperson for black folks now like mm. no I mean, listen like if you want to vote for so-and-so that's you i can speak for myself <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're partnering with so-and-so and trying to help on this that's that's fine but you're, you're not necessarily the spokesperson for all things black or all things in african-american that's right all disenfranchised people right uh, so again i i, I do agree uh, Michael has some regret there, but overall, I, I think you have to kind of go with how, where, I mean, where you are at, at that time. At that time. He's grown. Mm-hmm. He's grown. He's different now. So he's like, hey, I'm going to help out. And I think that's great. So Yeah. Because the only, I'd say, blip I would put on LeBron's social justice efforts is when he was asked about China and he had to make comments about that. And I was like... You know, I think there's some things that it's okay to not comment on those things. Right. Because but again, but but again, there there's realities, right? Listen, yes. you can act like 
as great as LeBron James is, we can act like he's not a, I don't want to use the word puppet because he's not a puppet, but he's part of the corporate conglomerate of Nike, right? Yes. So when Nike, and, and you have to follow the money in these situations, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Nike, the, the NBA is, is a big, is a, you know, billion dollar industry, right? But Nike's even 10 times bigger than the NBA. If you're talking about business to business. So if, Nike has this campaign going on in China. They're going to tell the NBA, like, look, y'all need to pipe down. Yes. <laughs> They're going to tell yeah. LeBron, like, no, you need to go over there and just play basketball yeah. and come back. There, there's realities to this situation. So, mm-hmm. again, there's, there's when, you, when you want to dip your toe or dip your foot in the political realm or in the social justice realm, mm-hmm. just be aware that, listen, there's realities. And, you know. There's going to be times where it comes up where there may be a conflict of interest. So yeah, just be prepared for that. Just be prepared. And, and I think LeBron's identity gives him a lot of expertise and his experiences gives him a lot of credence to talk about the social justice things that he focuses on the most. Right. And I think it's unfair for people to be asking him that type of question. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, cause I, I, and that's the perfect word. I think it's unfair to put that on athletes because they have a platform. Yeah. Like just because I make the most money doesn't mean I know everything. And yes. <laughs> it doesn't like he's a and, and again, I'm not saying shut up and dribble, but just because he can put a basketball in the hoop doesn't mean he should be it should be laid at his feet to solve all the social yes. justice issues in the African American community. It's right. not. It's right. not it's not on him. He can help. And right. it's great that he is willing to help and willing to put himself out there like that. But mm-hmm. the fact that people like to put this responsibility at his feet, it's like, no, that's not, that's not his that's responsibility. So if, like, if, he, if he has a lane a basketball that, player, that he wants player. to, if he has a lane that he wants to stay in and say, yeah. Hey, these are the social justice things that I know the most about and would yeah. like to continue doing. Then, then don't try to put him in another lane that he's exactly. not comfortable with. Exactly. You know, that's not yeah. clear because there's a there's a larger you talking about an entirely different country that has like you talk about relationships with America that are going to benefit LeBron in some way shape or form they're going to benefit the league and so I think to be asked that on the spot is extremely unfair because yeah. it would have been better if he does want to comment on it then he could collect his thoughts get the information he needs and then if he wants to put a statement out there about it then he can but leave right. it up to him to do right. it you right. know so, but yeah, it's speaking of media and, and, and connected with the media, I think that goes perfectly into our next segment here. So Kyrie Irving. Our honestly, these next, two, these next two are kind of tied in. Very true. Very yeah, true. they're kind of tied into each other. So yeah, it's good. let's go. Let's our, our beloved Kyrie Irving, our a not a, never a boring day in the <laughs> life of Kyrie Irving. Uh, made some interesting, he's made some interesting decisions and made some interesting comments. And so we'll start with his, uh, his comments on KD's podcast, the et cetera. And so here's a quote from Kyrie Irving. He says, I, I don't really see us having a head coach. Uh, KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach some days. I want somebody that's going to understand that I am a human being first. I serve my community first. And then basketball is something I do every day because I love it. We always heard and saw how great Nash was as a player. But also, when you get to know him as a person, you understand why he can coexist with us. We don't need someone to come in there with their coaching philosophy and change everything we're doing. 
Coach Natty T, your thoughts <laughs> first. Well, yeah, so I when I when I saw this, um well, I saw that, you know, he's doing the media blackout, and then I saw the comments on on the podcast afterwards. And I guess first my opinion on the media blackout. I actually think it's it's somewhat of a smart move for him. Um, the way he's looking at it, he's 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 anti media, and I think he feels like he gets an unfair rap. So he's like, "All right, I'm just not going to say anything." And I think that actually could be a positive for him in the Nets, just to kind of avoid potential firestorms down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, he's going to get fined, and he's already been fined for not speaking to the media. So, yeah. probably got some fine money put away mm-hmm. <laughs> for the season. But, however, um, I'm just a little disappointed in him with his. I think he should have more media savvy by now. Yes, he's an intelligent guy, and and overall, as much as Kyrie is very annoying. He, I think he's a little bit overhated, I would say, mm-hmm. um, in general. Because I don't think he's, like, a bad guy. I don't think right. he has bad intentions, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, for one, I think he has just that kind of an arrogance of, I'm the smartest guy in the room because I went to Duke for a semester, kind of complex <laughs> in his head. And all jokes aside, I think he is a very intelligent person. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But... You should have more media savvy at this point in your career. Mm-hmm. The whole like, oh, you know, you guys are making stuff up, or oh, you know, I didn't say that, or why are you asking me that? Like that whole notion about him is very annoying. Because yes. again, you're Kyrie Irving. You are a phenomenal basketball player, and even kind of going and I guess kind of leading into the next part of the question with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say on the on the pod, and that wasn't on this most recent podcast, but this was on the one a few months ago where he was talking about KD being, you know, the most clutch player he's ever played with. Yes, you have to understand when you say something like that, mm-hmm. and I and I think I heard it this week, and, and I think Stephen A said this, and I thought he put it pretty well. When you say something like that, you can't blame people for saying one plus one equals two. Yes. <laughs> like, you said that, right? Like, yes. you didn't have to go there. Now, I understand, like, if you're, 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 you're sitting there with KD, he's your new teammate, there's going to be some, you know, gassing up, if you will. Sure. But you are Kyrie Irving. When you are a phenomenal basketball player in your own right, you're sitting across from another phenomenal basketball player, you've played with – arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we think Jordan, but right. that's hey, a different debate hey, for a different day. That's right. He's definitely He's still great. He's still He's great, still great yes. right? So when you've played with somebody like him and won a championship with him, and then you make a comment like that, like, Kyrie, you can't get mad when people have a reaction to it, right? I yeah. mean – you're literally handing them the material and saying, please ask material. me this question as a follow-up. Right. Please even, look at this. Even last year um, when – I should have looked up the quote, but when he said – I think he was – in a way he was trying to, like, motivate his team, I guess, mm-hmm. about, oh, you know, we need to find some upgrades because, you know, our team isn't really cutting it right now. And 
So they're saying you're trying to get everybody trainer? Like, <laughs> I didn't say that. You guys made like, that up. I'm like, Kyrie, dude, <laughs> you just said. <laughs> you're making this way too easy on the media. Way, way, too, way yeah, too easy. Like, dude. So, again, most of, for me, a lot of that is on him for not choosing his words more carefully or maybe not articulating his thoughts out carefully. Because, yeah. again, like on even going back to this whole, like, coaching comment, because I guarantee you, Somebody's going to ask him about it. He's like, I didn't say we never needed a coach. I'm just saying it's going to be more collaborative. I'm like, but you just said in the quote, like you just said. He could be the coach. AP I can be the coach. coach. I could be the coach. Like you just said that. <laughs> so you can't get mad when people are going to be like yeah. looking at you kind of crazy when you say something like that, right? Yes. Like there's a different way that you could say it. Like you could have said like, Okay, you know, Steve Nash is in here. There's going to be more of a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I like the fact that he's going to allow us to give our input on the game plan and all that. Right. Just leave it at that. Leave it at that. You don't. That's fair enough. Right. Fair enough. You don't have to go there. Or even with the whole clutch comments, right? Like, you could have just said, sitting there with Katie, like, you know, we're both great players. You know, we're both clutch players. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're, we're going to work really well in the clutch. You know, obviously there's going to be some things we're going to have to work out, but I'm excited to work with KD because he's a great player in the clutch in his own right, and I am as well. And I think we're going to work yeah. well together in those moments, right? You don't have you to compare him, him to anyone else. You don't have to you compare have him to, to anyone else right. that you play with right. in your career because you know, you're right. smart enough to know that right. people are automatically going to correlate that to LeBron. Exactly, exactly. So, I, again, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just think – He's just – it's a little disappointing that he's not more media savvy in terms of choosing his words more carefully. And it's yeah. got him to this point of saying, oh, I'm going to do a media blackout, when really he didn't have to. I just think he needed to just understand the nuances of what he's saying. Because you are Kyrie Irving. You're not just some guy on the bench. I just go, like, <laughs> you're not Kendrick Perkins, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, some people go, okay, all right, all right, Kendrick. Like, all right. No, you're Kyrie Irving. Like, you have clout, right? Yes, so, yes. You know, it, but again, I, I think he's a little overhated because I think his – I think he has good intentions. I think he's a good dude. But his comments are sometimes a bit misguided, and I think it may not be what he initially thought he wanted to say, and it comes mm-hmm. out, and then the media interprets it, and he's like, oh, well, you guys are trying to come come after me. And it's like, no, like, you did say that, Kyrie. So. You did. Because you could take so many things out of what he said, and and for people who want to play with it, they're going to play with it all they're day. Gonna they're going to be like, so yeah. what was it Jacques Vaughn last year was the, was the answer? Yeah. So it's like, for you to say that we don't need someone coming in here with their co- coaching philosophy and changing everything that we're doing. So, like, what are you saying about your previous coaching staff? Right. Or, or, right. You know, were you unhappy with the way that they were – that they were I, running the team. I didn't say that. You guys, you guys making that up. I didn't say that. <laughs> you just said. <laughs> you just you don't said. need someone to come in here with their <laughs> coaching philosophy and change everything we're doing. And my first question was like, what is it that you're doing? Because <laughs> the two of you haven't played a dribble with each other. Yeah. At all. So what is it that, that we're doing right. that you feel doesn't need to be disrupted? Right. You haven't even had the time to let that develop yet to know, to know what you need and what you don't need right, right. with each other, with this new nucleus that you have. Yeah. And, and I totally get to your, like you said, I totally get 
Steve Nash, more of a, a player's coach. He gets it. He gets what players need. He gets that they have lives outside of that and everything like that. At the end of the day, though, his collaboration, his collaborative approach is a philosophy in itself. Right. <laughs> it's his coaching philosophy. Exactly. So don't put a negative connotation on, on coaching philosophy. Just say that, hey, Nash matches what I think our team needs right now. Right. And that is leave a collaborative approach. And, and leave it at that. Just leave, leave it at it. that. Right. Uh, other, and, and, and I'll say one other thing about this, then we can move on. I'm really disappointed in, like you said, Kyrie's media savvy or lack of media savvy. You know what would have been the perfect move for him to do this? And I, I draw back to some uh, quotes that I, I'm paraphrasing from him from over the summer. So when the bubble was formed, you know, people were like, hey, you know, we're going to have these teams in there. You can choose whether you want to come in or not. Kyrie was healthy enough to play. Mm -hmm. And he chose not to because he felt that it would deter the attention from the social justice movements that were happening over the summer. Right. And he did not want to distract from that in any way, shape or form. To his credit, I, I completely get that perspective and respect that. He donated money to several causes. He donated money to WNBA players who didn't want to embark on their season. So that way they didn't have to worry about their salary because they weren't going to get paid from that. And you look at women getting paid significantly less within the WNBA, that hits home a little bit more. That hurts the household more. And Kyrie's like, and others who said, don't worry about it. We'll cover you. You do what you need to do. So Maya Moore getting that guy out of prison and eventually marrying him. But that's yeah. the story right there. Yeah, like, hey, you know. You know, just stuff like that was was extremely important. Yeah. If you are now in a new season, the social justice efforts haven't stopped. No one said that in your media contract, you have to comment on the sport of basketball when you talk to the media. They just said you have to talk to the media. So why not take that opportunity and use it as a social justice platform? Because you said you cared about it so much, so much that you didn't want to detract from it before. And if you're going to be forced to talk to the media, and you don't want them to run with these narratives, then don't answer those the questions. Literally what players did within the bubble was say, um, you know, arrest officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. Arrest officers that, that literally those are what some athletes decided to do, no matter what they were asked. That was their press conference and then they were allowed to leave. They did the obligations of their contract. Yep. Kyrie, all you gotta do is come up with some answers to, to, to redirect people's attention to the causes that you find are important. You stay out of harm's way and you're bringing attention to things that need justice, that need and deserve that attention. Why not just be savvy enough to do that? That would have been what I would have done. If I were Kyrie, that's what I would have done with those, those opportunities. Instead of saying nothing and getting fined for it. Right, 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 right. It, again, because it, it, beautiful. Because I, I mean, and I think it's even taking a step further. I think it's a little bit just from a media savvy perspective it's a it's a bit immature on his part as well because he's i mean he's been in because this is what his seventh year in the league yeah i mean yeah, at least so like like you shouldn't like you're not a rookie like you should know like how to like navigate through the media by now like it shouldn't mm -hmm. you shouldn't be getting you know caught in these situations and it's one thing if like he said something and you know it was off the record and then uh, a reporter like put yes. it on the record like that's different that's that's totally different right um 
But, I mean, we'll see. Because even KD, I don't mind KD as much because I think even with his, like, his burner Twitter account and all that, yes. I think in, in a way like MJ, he kind of uses that as motivation to play. Mm-hmm. So I actually don't mind it as much. But even him, to a certain degree, it, sometimes it's a, it's a little annoying. Like, like for instance, the one year when he said uh, to the media, he was like, oh, yeah, you guys don't know, you know, squat about basketball. KD, the media's the ones who voted you MVP the year before. <laughs> so you're saying, so what are you saying? <laughs> and to your point, the media, you know, so, so Kyrie's mom uh, being – Part of the um, the Sioux tribe, uh, Native mm-hmm. American tribe. Mm-hmm. So he, a couple of years ago, he went uh, in the whole Standing Rock situation. You know, mm-hmm. so he went literally on the reservations and was talking to the Native Americans. He even got pretty much, you know, adopted into the Native mm-hmm. American the tribe. You know, mm-hmm. that he went through that process. That's something he felt strongly about, mm-hmm. and literally stood there and shook the hand of every person that was on the reservation because he wanted to commit to it and be a presence, be something positive that, that happened for the people in those, that community that day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who was there? The media. Yeah. Like, Covered it, brought light to it, helped yeah. get money to go towards it. Besides the money that you donated, helped get other stuff to it. And so to say that the media are pawns, but then not, and when I talked about social justice, to my point, mm-hmm. and not use it to your advantage, Right. Then if you truly believe that, then just use the platform to talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That, uh, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't oh, get it. Jesus. But, you know, to what you said earlier, you were talking about his comments about LeBron James uh, mm-hmm. and, and the whole clutch comment, Katie mm-hmm. being the most clutch player. And so, of course, that gets to King James. Mm-hmm. Uh, King James is on the Rich Jefferson's uh, show. Mm-hmm. And, and with, you know, he talked about that a little bit. And, and obviously, uh, part of what he said, he said it hurt him some, to hear that because he felt that he always supported Kyrie. Uh, one of the things that I took away from what he said is that he said, I wanted Kyrie to be the MVP of the league because I felt he was that good, that talented to do that. What I did not hear him say is that I wanted Kyrie to be the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think the, the cognitive dissonance lies between Kyrie and LeBron. Kyrie didn't want LeBron running the team necessarily. He wanted more of a, of a role in running that. Uh, and LeBron was like, this is my team. You are an integral part of that. You are a very important piece and you're good enough to win MVP in this league. So I want to nurture your development in that, right? It, it, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's unfair to, for me to ask you whose side are you on, but how do you see the situation? Do you, do you think that there's well, some credence to that? I do. Um, <laughs> when I heard the LeBron comments, this is where he gets on my nerves a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like LeBron. Obviously, we don't know all of the deep intricacies and details of you know the fallout of what happened Mm -hmm. but you're not that surprised Kyrie said it no that's the one thing Kyrie has at least been somewhat consistent on yeah as far as his feelings about 
him. I don't. I don't think they necessarily hate each other. No. I don't. I don't think they. I don't know if they mix as well as they portray that they had mix mm-hmm. while they were playing together. Right. It's Kai because we we just talked about Kyrie. Kai, Kyrie's a different dude now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's yes. a different cat now. So, you know, he he. I think they played well together on the basketball court, but he didn't want to be sunned by LeBron. You know, he felt yeah. like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm an alpha dunk. I hit that shot over Steph Curry in the finals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I put up that, that game where, where uh, LeBron was at game five. Yeah, it was game five where they both put up 40. Like, yeah, we yes. both put up 40 in that yes. game. Like, they weren't just you. So That's right. It, I, I don't know if I necessarily pick a side. I think they both were – I think LeBron probably could have approached it differently because LeBron is usually very – not usually. He is very – as far as situational awareness, he's very good at that as far as understanding his own morta- mortality and just the others around him and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, even like with someone with Kyrie, I think he would have – kind of figured out how to deal with him a little earlier. Yes. But and then again on Kyrie's side, um and that's why I'm interested to see how this is gonna work with with KD because it seems like they have like a genuine friendship. Yeah. They're they're a close. genuine respect there. Before they join forces. Before they join forces. So like way to the Right, 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 right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So maybe and they're both kind of like quirky a little bit, yes. like, you know, so maybe it works mm-hmm. because of that, because they have that connection, mm-hmm. but him and LeBron didn't have that connection. No. So, um, you know, he can hit a shot. He can hit the last shot over, over clay or over clay, over Steph in game seven. He can win the championship, but if he's not on that wavelength with you, he's like one of those type of people where if he's not on that wavelength with you, like from a vibe standpoint, like it's just not going to, it's not going to last period. It's not, it's not. And, and I think part of it is, you know, if Kyrie's like, Hey, I, I you left technically, I was here first because you right. left. Right. Right. And you right. come back and now everything's revolving around you. Right. But so what does that mean for me? I, I there's some of that. Now this wasn't the way that his career played out in the beginning. Right. But how he's feeling here, we just talked about it. Maybe Kyrie has some Scottie Pippen syndrome in him. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, yeah. there's some uh, uh, like sense of affirmation that he's looking for. Um, but that's why I, I still put it on both of them a little bit. Because, again, I, I think LeBron could have maybe dealt with him better at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they can coexist a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Kyrie again. I, I think he's very well intentioned. I think he's a good dude. I just he, he's just a little a little immature in certain situations, and yeah. you know, it's a, a bit temperamental. I, I, we're all temperamental to some degree. That's right. That's right. But you know, I, I think he because when he goes to Boston, now he's not happy mm-hmm. in Boston. Now he goes to the Nets. And then before KD comes, it seemed like he just he wasn't happy at the Nets too. Because at, at a certain point, you're the common denominator in all of these That's relationships, right. and That's you right. have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, why is the same thing continuing to happen? Yes. So that's why I do put some of it. I, I put some of it on both of them for that reason. 
But as far as LeBron's actual comments, I was a little like LeBron, like you you laying it on a little thick here, dude. No, I was so hurt by Kyrie's comments. Like, like LeBron. We, a little we drama here. king. He's a, <laughs> a little, little drama king a little, and a little passive-aggressive. Little, right. He's, he's he has, both of those. Yeah, he has a little of that in him, too. So that that was my first reaction when I heard his comments on it. I was like, LeBron, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop. come on, man. Like, like we all stop. know. We all, we all know. Like, you played with the brother. You knew you know what was you know, going on. Right. You, yeah. knew was, you knew what was coming down the pike, dude. Like, stop. Yeah. So yeah. that, that was my initial reaction with what, what, what LeBron said. Yes, yeah. So I, I, I hear you on that. And that when you right before you said I was thinking about Boston as well, like yeah, that didn't work out. And it's not that the players hated him, but they were just like, It's not we're not vibing. It's just not right. working. And it's and it's the same and, yeah. and that's why I'm very interested to see and I you know, I think next week we're gonna go into some of the team reviews, but I'm yes. very interested to see how this is gonna mix. Because K D is kind of the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, he's an OKC, you know, him and Russ, you know, whatever. He goes he goes to Golden State. And you feel like he doesn't have the affirmation that he needs. And he leaves Golden State. Now he's in Brooklyn. Like, I just – I hope genuinely for both of their sake that they can find some sort of happiness together because, mm-hmm. you know, I, you just don't want to see people just go through life so disappointed. And it's like, dude, you're Kevin Durant. Dude, you're Kyrie yes. Durant. <laughs> like, <laughs> which seems like they're just so unhappy. It's like, dude, come on. Which I think gives – another you know negative mark on Kyrie's remark oh KD can coach the team oh I can coach the team right so looking at your career trajectories and looking at how coaching is part X's and O's and part managing egos right Exactly. And, and so do you really feel that if you can't even handle yourself within the situations that you're in. What makes you think that you would be good enough to handle all the egos that your team is going to be to be presented? Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like you or KD, like what makes you think that you're gonna be able to, to, to do that effectively and get the rest of these, you know, 13, 14 players on board and bought in, bought in as well? Mm-hmm. Like I think we underestimate the power of good coaches and what it takes to actually be a good coach. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes players think that, hey, we're the ones on the court doing it. I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm so good. And it's like, yeah, you're extremely talented. But at the end of the day, you need guidance, too. Right. And, and someone needs to be managing all the personalities that are in this locker room. And the common denominator, like you said, was that people aren't vibing with you. They don't hate you, but they don't necessarily really, really like you like you either. Exactly. Like, exactly. exactly. So, yeah. Uh, so there, there's some stuff to be said, and that is going to be Nash's biggest challenges. No, yeah. I think X's and O's wise, I think those guys will be fine. Uh, but, you know, not giving too much away from next week. But I right. think that's going to be Nash's thing. Is he going to be able to be enough of a, a culture establisher that allows people to be themselves, but not to the detriment of the team? Right. Yeah. And, and that's where I'll leave that. Yeah. Uh, so – our next session, this, this is going to be our, our last segment of the evening. So ESPN released their top players. And I believe they actually did 100 of them by now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the top 100, I think. Top 100. And we're not, we're not going to dig too deep into the weeds of that. So we're going to focus on the top 25 here. And, you know, 
Coach Natty T, when you shared this list with me, I, I, I it was like a roller coaster of emotions. And I actually got a little angry. I was a little upset. <laughs> and I have a lot of questions for the people that contributed to this ranking. Right, right. For the public, I'll go ahead and quickly give you the top 25 going from first to 25th. Uh, so we have LeBron, AD, Giannis, Luka, Kawhi, KD, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, James Harden, The Joker, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Buckets, Bam Adebayo, Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson, Paul George, Jamal Murray, Bradley Bill, Carl Anthony Towns, Pascal Siakam, and Kyrie Irving rounds off the 25. Literally in that order. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and let you go first because I got <laughs> a little bit of a soapbox to get on. So <laughs> What 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 do you like? What don't you like about this top twenty-five? Well, so first, reading the article, and for those that don't know, it was on uh, it was released initially on ESPN Plus. If you don't have the the subscription for it, um, I don't think you would would have been able to see the list. But reading the article um, and how they kind of came up with this list is more of a it's truly a projection of what they think they will be in the 2021 NBA season. So taking that into account, I can see where, how they ended up at this list somewhat because problem number one, like having Zion above like a guy like Jamal Murray. Yes. Sinful. Blasphemous. Yeah. So I understand because again, this can be a topic for a different day. Yeah. I think Zion's kind of like the golden child. He's the the hope of the NBA for the future. So mm-hmm. I think the part of that is saying, okay, as long as from an injury perspective, if he stays clear, they're thinking Zion will make that make another leap this mm-hmm. year as far as being a star player in the league. Um, but. <sighs> Just based on what Jamal Murray did in the playoffs last year, granted, I know it was a bubble, so you can make the argument, okay, it was easier. Some people say it was easier. Some people say it was harder. But I'm like, dude, he was balling. (laughs) Balling. Him and Donovan Mitchell gave us the best playoff series I've ever seen. Right. I mean, you to me, you can't ignore what he was able to do on the basketball court in the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. for me – to have Zion above him, that's a bit, that's a bit disturbing. Um, I would have Jimmy Butler higher on the list. I would actually, for, for me, I would actually put him at the 10th spot for me. Okay. The man won two games by himself against the Lakers in the finals. Yes. Like, yes, outmatched and shorthanded. <laughs> yeah, like... I understand you may think, okay, going forward, and, and, and obviously Jimmy Butler, his numbers aren't going to blow you out of the water mm-hmm. because, I mean, he's like, you know, around a 20-point-per-game type mm-hmm. score, you know, four or five, you know, assists, rebounds type player. So maybe those games were a little, you know, above the mean, if you will, talking statistical terms. Mm-hmm. But listen, I mean – what he was able to do from a – and kind of going back to your culture comments with, uh, with, with Steve Nash, I mean, 
what how he impacts the culture of Miami and just his in, overall influence on Miami and being able to uplift them to even win two games when you had so many injuries. For me, that that's superstardom right there. Like yes. he was carrying the team. Yeah. So he's ranked a little low for me as well. Um, Devin Booker, I wouldn't have Ben Simmons or even Joel Embiid. Absolutely not. Ben Simmons above Devin Booker, even just based on what he did in the bubble, even just from the talent that I see from him. And now you add Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and even having Chris Paul ahead of Devin Booker, I, I don't. Not now. Not, not now. now. Yeah. Um, and I personally think he's going to take a leap. I think he has a, the ability to be a top 10 player in this league. For sure. Same with Jamal Murray as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> my other problem, I, I think this may be controversial. Uh-oh. Do it. I think it's a bit, it's a little lazy to put AD at number two. Mm. It's a little lazy. Um, that is controversial. I've never heard, I haven't heard anyone debate AD being number two yet. I would, I think it's a little lazy. Um, Because if we're talking, if we're taking into account regular season as well, I have my issues with Giannis. I would still have him at number two. Just, again, because regular season counts. So I know the playoffs is a separate issue. Yes. Regular season counts. I have my issues with him from a skill set perspective in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But – I would still put him at number two because, again, he, he was back-to-back MVPs. I mean, you can't – I understand projecting this year. Um, and I think AD will take a step this year, step forward this year, and kind of – you'll kind of see the transfer of power to AD mm-hmm. um, a little bit more. But I think it's a little bit lazy to put him at number two. Just a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, I don't mind Luca at number four. Mm. I'll leave my comments on Luca for an upcoming show when we mm-hmm. have our predictions. Um, KD, in my opinion, I would put KD above Kawhi. I understand why they have Kawhi above KD right now, just because the injury, we just, we just really don't know what he's going to look like mm-hmm. right now. Um, a controversial statement. Um, Steph's not in my top ten. Woo! Let me cover. I got cover up for that. That, I, I, that hurt. As a member of the light skin community, that one hurt. Well, from a projection standpoint, just just hear me out. From a projection standpoint, now he can prove me wrong this year, and I will be the first to say I'm wrong. But. Especially now with Clay being out, I, I think he's going to be a little bit exposed to what he truly is, which is he's a great – he's a box office, I should say that. He's yes. very much For box sure. office. For sure. He can't carry a team. The Warriors aren't making the playoffs this year. Mm. And, you, and from, you can't be a top ten player if you can't carry your team to the playoffs by yourself. 
at least just carry him. I'm not saying you win the championship. I'm not saying you even win a round. But you should be able to be good enough to where, look, and this is and this is the greatness of LeBron James, right? Mm-hmm. You can put LeBron obviously this first year in LA with the injury. I think if he was healthy that whole year, they would have made the playoffs. They'd at least been a top eighteen. He would have been a right, right, right. I think they would have made a playoff. So I mean, obviously that was an anomaly with him getting hurt. But this is the beauty of LeBron James because you can literally put him on any, and I mean any team in the NBA. I mean it wholeheartedly. You can put him on the Knicks. They would make at least make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's that good. Mm-hmm. Just having him on the team, he's that good, right? Sure. Guys like, obviously, Russell is kind of on the downside, but even during his MVP years, right? You can put him on most teams, and they're at least going to make the playoffs. He's going to carry him to the playoffs. James Harden, he can carry the team to the playoffs, right? Steph can't do that. And, and see, this is, this is where – That's why I, draw, I, I actually put him, like, 11, 12. 11. Okay, so he would be – you would put the Joker and Harden um, ahead of Curry I, and maybe Tatum. Maybe Tatum, yeah. Uh, and I'm, where is Russell Westbrook? He was, I believe, in the 30s. And so what you're saying is about a man that can carry a team to the playoffs no matter where you place them. I, and he's not he in, the top, in the top twenty-five. Right. He should be. I was getting there too. He should be. He should be in the top twenty-five. Another one I think is absurd. That's not in the top twenty-five is John Moran. Like, that, that, that's a bad man right there. That's right. a bad man. How is he not in the top twenty-five? Because and, and, and there seems to, the what I have an issue with is some of the inconsistencies with the projections because it doesn't look like they're looking at a clear source of how you're going to base this because I can't say that I'm basing it off of last year. If Steph is in the top 10, if KD is top six, because we didn't see those guys last year. So you are assuming what their production is going to be like based on what they did before last season. Mm -hmm. Now you have Luca at number four who had a breakout season and you're putting him ahead of people who have already established themselves with multiple teams. A Kawhi Leonard, one of the better two-way players, who he's on San Antonio, they get to the playoffs. Could have really challenged the Warriors that year, but, you know, um, uh, got hurt. He got injured. Then he goes to Toronto, wins a championship, and then he goes to the Clippers, and they make it to the second round of the playoffs. And they also beat Luka head-to-head. Yep. Just last year. So I have a little bit of issues with Luca being put over Kawhi Leonard. I know it's just by one. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, no, that's fair. That's fair. But where do you base it? You're basing off one year. Yep. You know, and then, so for you to put Zion, to what you said, to put Zion Williamson ahead of these guys. So I'm not the, the biggest Paul George fan. I do. I, would I want Paul George on my team? Sure. Uh, do I think that, People put too much stock in his ability to perform when it counts the most. When it counts the most, right. Yes. So for you to put Zion Williamson at 19, ahead of Paul George, ahead of Jamal Murray, ahead of Kyrie Irving, and you didn't even get to see him for a full season, not even one season yet. He wasn't even in the bubble. He didn't show up in the bubble. He played, what, 19 games? 
Yeah. 20 games. They weren't even eligible to be in the bubble. Yeah. And you play him against people that went to the second round of the playoffs and led their team to that point? That that, that makes no sense to me. No sense to me. And, and we have a, 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 a complex. And some of this could be, like you said, the, who's the next face of the league and stuff like that. Oh, so you want, again, you want I, to put Zion there. You want to put Luke Zion there, is the get, hope of the league for yeah, the future. I'm telling I, you. I get it. I get it. At the same time, if you are going to be objective about your placements in this, there's no way that you put uh, Zion Williamson that high on the list. And I think Chris Paul gets put at 15 because of what he did last year. Right? Mm-hmm. You take a team with no other recognizable stars, you know, players on the team, and actually makes a very competitive first-round playoff series. Where the Thunder gave, you know, gave them everything they wanted, everything that they can handle. Yeah. I get that and I respect that. Does that warrant him being 15? I, I, I just, I just, I, I just because I just, I wouldn't put Chris above like Devin Booker, Devin Booker, um, or Jamal Murray. Um, even like, listen, I like. I was, you know, I'm a DC resident here. Like Bradley Beal, a bad boy now. He's a baller. He's a baller. And you know, we like we say, Kyrie is is temperamental and he has his ways. But Kyrie is way too low on this list too. Because listen, like Kyrie can ball now. (laughs) You know, I mean, and I know he has injury concerns, but listen, Kyrie is a superstar. In his yeah. own right, dude, dude can ball. I, I, I think he's too low. Um, I would move him in that like mid, you know, fourteen, fifteen range. Because you know who else has injury prone seasons? Joel Embiid. Who's, yeah. Who's at fourteen? So, because for because even Joel and Ben Simmons, like, I get why they're there. I mean. If we're just going off pure talent, to be totally honest, if they were more consistent and had a better mentality, you can make the argument that they could be a number one and number two on this list. Mm. Just based on talent. Talent, yes. What they're capable of doing. Not what they consistently do, what they're capable of doing. But think if they had like a LeBron, a little bit of LeBron, or even like Giannis's mentality. Just the the work ethic and just the the the, the hunger and the the aggression that they have, right? Mm-hmm. You can make the argument that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons could be the two best players in the NBA. They could. Period. They could. Just talent wise, but I and I think part of that they put them there as well because with Doc Rivers there maybe they're saying he can bring out a little bit more out of those two, but I, I just, I just don't, I don't trust them at this point. I just, I don't. Unless Doc can teach Ben Simmons how to shoot. I don't see him getting any. Right. Any right. I don't see him. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I would put, I would put Devin Booker and Jamal Murray above those two. Oh, for sure. For sure. Which is an, an, and then that my my I think my last real beef with this list is and no disrespect, but Bam Adebayo, the thirteenth best player. Yeah, I like for this Bam. Season. Yeah, I, I like Bam. I really I really like Bam. But yes, for sure. 
I I to have him thirteen. I don't. I so you're don't. saying he's projected to do better than Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker, Diva Mitchell, Zion, yeah. PG thirteen, Jamal Murray, Bradley Bill, Towns, Siakam, and Kyrie. Yeah. Not to mention Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Like I, I think that's or a little premature. John like John, John Morant. Yeah, like John yeah. Morant should be on the top twenty five of this list. Yes, like hands down. I think it's premature for Adebayo to be ranked that high, though I think he can turn out to be a great player in this league yeah, for years to come because he's obviously valuable, obviously yeah, valuable. Absolutely. Uh, and obviously has talent that he is tapping into. But before last season, who was Bam Adebayo? Right. And, and that's the thing. Like, you give him off of last season, and then I think Chris Paul not only gets last season credit, but he gets credit – the Rockets, and he gets credit for the stuff that he's done with the I mean, Clippers. It's a legacy, and before, legacy, it's a legacy pick. It's yeah. Legacy credit. Legacy credit. Uh, and so I just wish there was a little bit more of a balance. Uh, you know, I'm I'm okay with with the Joker uh, being number ten. I, I'm happy that they have him ranked high because I think he is he is a player that really no one's found a way to stop outside of Anthony Davis, which is at number two. So that makes sense. You know, so that. But he is not fast. He is not – he doesn't have the best vertical. Right. But he has some of the best footwork skills, and best sound skills, which is – and this is a, a, a talk for another time, but looking at how sometimes people have sa- sacrificed – bigs have sa- sacrificed their perimeter shooting for lack of footwork and interior effectiveness. Yeah. Uh, which is why I wish Carl Anthony Towns would tap a little bit more into his uh, low post game and, and, and two-point game. I think he relies on the three a little bit more. Just because you can shoot it doesn't mean you need to be shooting it right. that many times in a game. Joel Embiid gets caught into that sometimes. I think he gets wrapped up into that. Yeah. Uh, but, but Jokic is a little bit smarter on – I know when I, I can take my perimeter shots, and I know when my matchup is best when I stay in the paint and just yeah. take advantage of the matchup. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, this list is just – Yeah. Like you said, the, the inconsistencies in – because, again, reading the article, you know, the inconsistencies in what they're determining as projections or what they did last year – it's some it's just a little off to me on some of these picks because like because like you said like with Chris Paul, I mean, I'm just really surprised they have him above Devin Booker and Jamal Murray because I'm like Jamal Murray is way too low on this yes. list. Yes, it's not like Jamal Murray is is old. I mean, he's twenty four, twenty five. He's a pup. And, yeah, like, and I feel sorry for people who have to play against him because I, I know he's the type of person that looks at lists like this and he's like, he's like all right, bet, watch this. Yeah. And see that, him and Donovan. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Would you move James Harden down, like, out of your top ten? I was going to ask you about Jimmy Harden, too. Uh, let's see. Uh, he's let's another see. one that's interesting for me. Um mm. He's another one that's interesting for me. Uh, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm okay with where he is, but I'm just throwing the question out there because yeah, he's 31 and mm-hmm. 
it hasn't really happened yet. You know, I, I think at this stage, do, do you think he should be, you know, playing with a guy that's above him on this list <laughs> at this point in his career? To For him to, to win a championship, yes, he's going to have to. And, yeah. and, and going into that, I think this is a good segue. James Harden, you know, he's at a, he's at a club. <laughs> and he hasn't report he hadn't reported to the Rockets yet. Yeah. And he finally did days later. But he is very unhappy with the direction that the Houston Rockets are going. Uh, and, and so what do you make out of James Harden's you know, not wanting to not reporting to camp on time, not getting his COVID test when everyone else was, mm-hmm. his unhappiness. Because he signed I- he signed off on the coach, the new coach coming in. So why are you unhappy right now? What what do you think that's about? I, so (laughs) when I saw it, I laughed out loud in the (laughs) strip club because he was like, because he was making no mistakes. He's like, hey, I'm James Harden. You see my beard? Yeah, it's me, James Harden. I'm in the strip club and I'm not at the creative camp. I (laughs) believe it's a precursor to what's to come. Mm-hmm. I think that was a very, obviously a very deliberate action on his part. I think it was a warning shot. Mm-hmm. And I, because hmm. where my mind goes is if I'm Houston, what do I do? Um, Cause he, you know, everybody has their opinion on it. Um, you know, a lot of people, Oh, you know, I'm not trading James Harden. Mm-hmm. However, at this point, You can't, you have to be, you can't be emotional in these situations. I think you have to look at it with a business perspective and mm-hmm. with a even keel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, if I'm the Rockets, we have James Harden. We've tried it with Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. having big, the kind of more traditional way of playing. Yeah, you were, they were a couple of years too late on that. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. So you get rid of Dwight. You bring in Chris Paul, and to be fair, Chris Paul doesn't, you know, tear his hamstring or strain his hamstring. They could Maybe they get to the finals. Maybe they do. Maybe they beat the the Cavs. So Mm -hmm. that's fair. However, the next year you had you pretty much had him dead to rights again, or at least could have, and they blew you off the court again. Absolutely. Okay. So then. You switch it up again, then you get Russ. You want to go small ball. Obviously, that doesn't work again. Nope. At a certain point, if I'm Houston, I'm, I'm saying to myself, especially even now, obviously, I don't want to just let him go to wherever he wants. Right. Um, but I have to think about what my goals are and what we're truly trying to achieve. Are we winning a championship this year? Anything is possible. This is, you know, COVID still around. That could still have a, a tremendous effect. You know, there could be, you know, knock on wood. Obviously, don't wish it ha- happens to anybody. Anybody in that top ten list, you know, people could be out for a foreseeable mm-hmm. amount of time, and that opens the door. And all. like, I get that. But realistically, are is Houston winning the championship this year? No, no. not even close. <laughs> no. So if I'm if I'm Houston, 
I'm seriously taking calls for trades and I'm not even necessarily interested in gaining another superstar player. Mm. I'm not saying I'm going to tank, but I would be interested in getting a gang of picks. Okay. I would be interested in freeing up Capra. Mm-hmm. Um, because looking at some of the players on this list, the Devin Bookers, the Jamal Murrays, the Carl Anthony Towns, the you know those type of players, right? Mm-hmm. Even a Luca. Mm-hmm. I would be thinking about their next when they're free agents. Oh yeah, when they come up. Mm-hmm. I would be preparing myself for those years, right? Because mm-hmm. if I'm Houston, I've already convinced. I know I can convince superstars to come because I convinced James Harden to come. Yeah. I can do that again, mm-hmm. right? Why not prepare yourself for the future, right? In, in, in that respect, right? And mm-hmm. I would, if it's me, I would cut ties with James. Not that he's done anything bad, but he's 31. Mm-hmm. I know they hired a new coach, but they're not, he's not changing his style. No. Okay. He's James Harden at this And that's point. why he's, he's not, a, I think he senses that there's going to be some major changes. He's not changing. He's, that's what James Harden does, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very exciting to watch, mm-hmm. but come playoff time, he kind of burns out a little bit, right? Yes. So if I'm Houston, I'm like, look, I, I understand, like, you want to get into this tit for tat and this old school mentality, like, oh, no, you know, we're the team and you're not going to dictate what we're doing and blah, blah, blah. And just because you demanded a trade don't, don't mean we're going to trade you. But you need to take a step back and really look at the, the, the trajectory of your team and ask yourself, where are you really going? Because you sitting here with James, uh, unhappy James Harden, and say, yeah, we kept James Harden. We got him on the contract for two years. And He's not going to dictate where he's going. Y'all not winning a championship. Nope. Mm-mm. So if I'm Houston, that's where I'm going. I'm like, look, yeah. let's, let's just go ahead and part ways with James. I'm not saying you trade him to the Nets, but get a whole gang of picks, yeah. get your salary cap together, and start preparing for these, the next wave of young superstars and say, okay, we're going to start over there, or even draft picks, and say, because mm-hmm. we don't know who, you know, who, who's the next hot player that comes out. You can get there, yeah. draft them, and go from there. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of where my mindset is if I'm Houston, and then the whole James Harden situation, because like you said, I think he senses there's changes coming. Yes. Um, and again, he's 31. He's not 21. He's 31. 31. Years old, mm-hmm. Right. He still has definitely some good year, years left in him, but mm-hmm. he's 31 years old, right? I mean, that's yes. a lot of – he dribbles the air out of the basketball, man. Yes. That takes a lot out of you. So Yes, his, his championship window is closing. Yeah, it is. Uh, and we, you talked about LeBron recognizing his own mortality in situations, and, and, and I think some of that is what James is going through. What I thought was very interesting in his trade demands – they're all Eastern Conference teams. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He that, knows that the pass. West is not going to suit him well at all. Either the team is already established and they don't yeah. need you, yeah, uh, and they don't fit your style of play, mm-hmm. or they're so far out of contention that it it's, it would be pointless to go there. If you're talking about one of the bottom tier Western Conference, that's teams. your best. Like, yeah, that's your how best. How do I go to an Eastern Conference contender? Get to the finals and at least give myself a shot. 
yeah. at least give myself a shot out of the championship. Absolutely. And so, you know, you're talking Heat, you're talking Nets, you're talking, you know, Bucks and everything like that. But, I mean, you look at his contract, you look at the way he plays. I'm okay with him being number nine on the list. I'm just thinking of who would it make sense for him to pair up with where Harden can play his game and it, without it being a detriment to the other players on the team. Yeah. I, would, would him and Giannis be a good pairing? Potentially. But I don't, I don't think that's realistic for that to happen because Houston's going to want something viable in return. You just got Drew Holiday. You don't want to mess that up. Mm-hmm. Giannis and Middleton are your other pieces. I mean, where are you really going to go with that to get harder? Yeah. Uh, I would treat the situation similar to what you said. I would take calls. I wouldn't worry about getting rid of Harden right now. I think the market will be stronger for him through the, in the middle of the season because he's going to play. Yeah, and he's, he, gonna he's not going to sit out. He's going to play, and he's going to play well. And just playing a little psychological game, you're looking at he's going to play well because he's auditioning for another team. Yeah, yeah. And while he's auditioning, other people are watching that, and his stock is going to go up, which means I can get a little bit more for him, possibly. Yeah. So right now, you may be able to get a star and some change. In the heat of him playing extremely well, maybe you can get a little bit more than that right. for him. If right. it makes sense for you, maybe you can get a little bit more than that. Because now you're going to, you're thinking, who plays well with John Wall? If you're right. really serious about John Wall long term, you know, or at least for the next five years, right? you know, who's going to play well with John Wall? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would be patient, uh, but I would move him before the trade deadline. But I wouldn't be in a hurry to do it right now. I would take calls. I would entertain all suitors. Yeah, I mean, unless if, unless if somebody's, you know, offering something fantastic. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would wait. I would wait. But, again, I, I this whole mentality of, like, nah, we ain't getting rid of James Harden. He, that, that, like, don't get in that little battle. Don't, I mean, are, it's, not, it's not worth it. I mean, if it's – And you're losing. If it's Philly and you're saying, okay, Embiid, you go to Houston and play with John Wall, that could make sense for Houston. And Ben Simmons being a non-shooting guard. But being a facilitator can get the ball in James's hands a lot, and there's no problem with James dribbling the ball either. Mm-hmm. That uh, maybe that could work under Doc Rivers. I don't think you're going to get to a championship. You'll probably get to like a second round playoff exit with that team. Uh, I, I just I think. So where do you James- think the best fit for him is? Like, just I mean, just straight up. Like, is it? Yep, I, it's not Brooklyn. I'm gonna tell you that right now. It's you don't think it's Brooklyn? I don't think it's Brooklyn. Kyrie is 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 too ball dominant as well because he needs the ball to be effective. James needs the ball to be prominently effective. You saw him him and CP3 share it some, you know, take turns dribbling it. That that could work. I don't I don't think Brooklyn needs him though. No, I, I don't I don't think they need him either. Um I actually like, not to get too much into the team analysis, but uh, I actually like the rest of their roster from a Brooklyn's perspective. Yes. Because, listen, they, for what it's worth, I mean, the East, you know, (laughs) we have opinions about the East, but um, they did make it to the playoffs without KD and Kyrie last year. Yeah. Levert and Dinwiddie. Right, yeah. They did did make it to the playoffs without those two. 
without, without Kyrie, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that's a pretty solid foundation. And because I like Dinwiddie, you know, off the bench. And like I said, Levert's good. Joe Harris can. Yeah, you can shoot. Shoot like nobody's <laughs> problem. But, um, and even, uh, you know, Jared Allen, like, mm-hmm. I like him as a center. He's a low maintenance guy. Um, I, I think it could work in the short term, but I, I'm thinking about James Harden. I, because I you're going to have to sacrifice your depth yeah, to get James yeah, Harden. Yeah, so like, I don't know. Um, you know what would have been interesting? Hmm. If they did a swap. If uh, Houston did a swap for him and uh and, John, and Paul George, now for the Clippers, that would be that, very interesting. That that could have that could have that could work. That could work. That would have been very interesting. Very interesting. Or I know uh, there were some rumors about this, but Golden State they gave up why if they gave up like Wiseman. And uh, Wiggins and Wiggins, and then you have him as like a quasi clay, I guess. He's not as good of a two way player, but no. that would that so that'll be interesting. Get a different brother for the Splash Brothers while the yeah. other brothers recoup. Yeah, right, right. So that that would have been interesting as well. Um, See for him for this to actually work for James Harden, if he wants to win a championship, he needs to restructure his contract, right? Because I think he'll be willing to, and I think he'll be willing to. If he, it, it, I think it, he has to go to the right team that he feels exactly. like has a chance to win. If he did go to the Warriors and say, and the Warriors say we'll give you maybe a two year, maybe it's a one year, and then uh, the second is an option. We'll mm-hmm. see how you do that. You, you kind of get him on a similar to what. Uh, Kawhi and the Raptors relationship is yeah 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 because yeah. the thing about the the Raptors is that after Kawhi they had no game there was no game plan after that it's just we're gonna go all in right and, and we're up to seriously rebuild most of our roster is older and but they did make a good run this year but that's pretty yeah. much they're gonna be the end of it but now you say I have, we have James Harden yeah he, he can get us he can get us there or he can leave after the next year because we have Clay coming in yeah. And that yeah. that that would work, but he would have to restructure that contract. Otherwise, he's really limited to maybe three teams. Yeah, man, I'm I'm really trying to think. Like, man, like Nick, that's as crazy as it is. I think because his market's kind of limited. Yeah, in a roundabout way. I mean, it's. I mean, or if it's the Sixers, you would get rid of Simmons the ball handler. Yeah. And then let James just handle the ball and have a big to, to feed off of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could work. Uh, I'm trying to think Miami, but they'll, they would have to give up too much. So you would, you would basically have to give up hero, Tyler hero for sure. And then at least somebody else. They probably want, they probably want bam, bam. And I don't, you're looking for a young up and comer who is establishing themselves versus someone yeah who is 31, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Unless Pat Riley is saying, I want to win right now. And the quickest way for me to do that is that, but then you risk 
losing some of your culture that you're building there too. James Harden would have to fully buy into the culture that Pat Riley's trying to reestablish now in Miami. If he could do that, I I say, at least try it. At least try it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I think, I mean, and honestly, realistically, where he could go Sixers, Warriors. I, the Bucks aren't realistic. No. Um, and I think actually third is probably probably Brooklyn. Because mm-hmm. I think they can actually or, – or Boston. Because they can offer the most picks. Yes. Which, to me, that, that would be attractive to me if I'm, if I'm Houston. Because, again, I'm, I'm thinking about – I'm not tanking, but I'm thinking about – what's the best way for me to prepare myself for that next wave of free agents, mm-hmm. you know, and picks cap room. And again, I'm, I'm, if I can do it once, I can do it again. I, I've convinced one superstar to, to come here. I can get another one. I can get another one. If I'm, if I'm Houston, if I'm confident in my abilities to do that as an organization, why not think I can do that? I can't do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be my thinking if I'm Houston, because Again, that, James is great. He's been great for Houston, but I mean, it's I, smart. I think it's smart to kind of be proactive and and yeah. thinking about where you want to go in the future. Because again, I I think if you just hold on to James Harden and this whole crusade of oh well, we're just going to keep on keep you know holding on to him, you know, out of spite almost. Hmm. Nobody's winning. Like nobody's yeah. winning that side. You know, James or Houston. Because y'all not winning the championship. No. James is just going to be miserable there and then keep yeah. going to the strip club. Might as well part ways. <laughs> while, so, while you can still play at a high level, might as well yeah. go somewhere else. And while you can still get while something he still for has James. trade value or something yeah, of yeah. value. I mean, I would, yeah. again, I'm not just giving him away to somebody, but I wouldn't be focused on, oh, I, you know, I need, I need your best player for James Harden. Like, not necessarily. I mean, listen, I – if you can give me a whole gang of picks, I would I would value that more so than just getting another player just to plug in with John Wall. Yes. You know? So Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that more to come on that. We'll see how things develop and you'll definitely hear it here on the coach's box. That's gonna be our show for tonight. So really appreciate y'all tuning in. Um uh behalf of, of Coach Natty T, I'm Coach JP three. We'll see you next week. All right. Take care. Have a great weekend.